Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Hey, what's up? It's Thomas Nicholas, uh, also known as Kevin from American Pie. And when I'm not going the growl, which I think is better known as the tongue tornado, I'm listening to the total reboot with Cam and Alexi. another thrilling edition of Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. <laughs> and that is true. There are no other fellas or fellettes out there <laughs> who dare to discuss cinema on the internet. We're the only ones. Mm-hmm. It's been hard. It's been trying, but it's been worth it, I would say. Absolutely it has. <laughs> hey, that voice you heard there belongs to Alexi Teliopoulos. I'm Cameron James. Mm-hmm. How are you, Alexi? Cameron, I could not be more thrilled to discuss cinema on a day like today. It is a day that we often celebrate movies. It is a Tuesday when we are recording this, also known as Cheap Tuesday, the day where it was the most <laughs> cheapest to go and see a flickeroo of your choice. So it is the Absolutely. holy day when it comes to movies. Absolutely. (laughs) And we're joined by a guest who I am very thrilled and excited to have on the show. This fella is not in a flick, but he is in a television streaming. That's Mm, crazy. Wowza. Well, 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 the definitions, (laughs) they're blurring. (laughs) They are blurring. You you could say that streaming is sort of the new cinema. You know, I think of I think of my show and you'll get to what it is, but I think of my show more (laughs) as a six part film, really. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it could be nominated for an Oscar this year. Fingers crossed, I mean we'll see. You're just an artist painting with an even bigger canvas that television series can offer. Well, absolutely. I mean, we, we originally started... Uh, I have a Netflix show. My name's Zach. I'm from Auntie oh, Donna. I, I have I'm a gonna, Netflix show. <laughs> please, if, you, if you'd let me do that, we have Zachary Wayne from Auntie Donna. <laughs> now, currently viewable on Netflix. Wow. Binge it. <laughs> please binge it. Binge, binge that show. It. Get every single episode within your eyeballs... Within a certain amount of time, don't take breaks with piss and shit. You can do that afterwards. <laughs> Here's the thing: um, you can watch Netflix on your phone, uh, so you can you can piss and shit while you're watching the show. And is this part of the cell that Netflix is giving you? <laughs> they, they sat us down. They sat us down. The marketing team. They sat us down at a big table. Some people were yeah. coming in mm. from like Skype, and this was before wow. COVID, so people Far Skyping up. was pretty tech. And um, and they just said, "Listen, here's the thing: we need people to binge this show. That's that's how this platform works." Mm. And and I raised my hand. I said, "What about shitting?" Uh, Mark, <laughs> I think, or maybe Broden said, "What about pissing?" And they said, "Well, that's why we've made the app." And they talked us through it. It's wow. pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, God, you'll have to explain that app will... to me one day because you know I've been for years. I've been pissing and shitting, yeah. just bored out of my mind. Oh, you yeah, gotta well, check it you, out, Alexi. You're sitting you there it. pissing and shitting while it's playing in the next room. You're missing <laughs> key stuff. I've got the out. door open trying to catch a little word from over there, but, you know, 
Alexi I, has mirrors set up in the house so he can sort of catch, <laughs> catch glimpses of the TV at the right angle. Which is very awkward if you're watching something with him, I presume, <laughs> yeah. because then, if he can see the TV, you can see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want someone to turn around and cap, copper look at, <laughs> at one, of the, one of the merry mirrors that I've got set up across my hallway. It's like a whole like system of mirrors, Indiana Jones style. Yeah, exactly. The light of the Netflix shines onto your face. Exactly. Oh. So please, this weekend, piss and shit and stream Auntie Dawn a big old house of fun on your phone. That's the way it's meant to be watched. Mm, absolutely. They even have a thing on the app. They explained it to us. Because, I, again, I put my hand up. I, yeah. And I said, I'm sorry, yeah. this is all BTS stuff. You probably yeah. don't want to hear no, this. No, no, we want to hear this. I put my stuff. hand up and I said, uh, my pissing is really loud. I have oh, a really wow. loud stream. Mm. Um, and they said, well, that's you have fine. a wide we'll- set uh, urethra. <laughs> yeah, right? Absolutely. It's like a hose. <laughs> wow. So I'm just, God, I might have to update your IMDb trivia as we do this. <laughs> Hose like penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zachary revealed on a podcast uh, <laughs> with a little hyperlink. Please listen to this episode. Um, and I said, "It's it's gonna. I'm gonna piss really loud." And they said, "Well, we've actually added a thing to the uh, to the app called Volume. And basically, wow. how that works Whoa. is you can decide how loud or how quiet the, the program yeah. is. Oh, I yeah, thought it was for your urethra. How loud or quiet the piss would be. Uh, no, they're, God, they're good, but they're not that good. Oh, you know, yeah, no. God, <laughs> computers these days, they are quite challenging to an idiot like me. <laughs> it's true. It's pretty crazy, man. Well, speaking of piss and shit, we are discussing <laughs> a movie that is probably often described as a piece of shit itself. We've been doing a mini-series all about the movies that star a cannibal named Hannibal. Uh, of course, this was a big inspiration for our podcast, Finding Desperado, and we decided to look at all of them, even the ones that are not reboots and remakes, but are kind of bizarre sequels and remakes <laughs> and reboots in a weird, odd way. We are talking about Ridley Scott's sequel to Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, today on the podcast. Now, Zach, tell me a little bit about your relationship with the great Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Wow, that's it's so exciting, isn't it? Because we all have our own. He, he's an icon, really. Mm, mm, um, absolutely, he, mm. he is a he's a he's a cultural icon, and we all have our own relationship with him. Um, I had only watched up until this point his uh, his most famous film, The Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Yeah. Mm. and I could never quite bring myself to watch any of the others. Uh, so I had never, I've never seen anything outside of Silence because that's a perfect little movie, isn't absolutely. it? Perfect. Perfect. Like, it's Wonderful genuinely picture. a perfect film. It's yeah. so good. We it's, would it's agree. It's a masterpiece. We love it. We think it's amazing. We think maybe it, that should have been all that Tony Hopkins did with the character. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably, that's all we needed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> perfect little movie. There's a, there's a behind the scenes uh, bit in the video you sent. I feel like we're going to talk about this behind the scenes video more than the actual film. We might. To- Tony Hopkins said... Um, I said to them, I said, I'm, I'm only, I, I, I won't do it unless the script is good. <laughs> like, what script were you reading? And honestly, hats off to the guy. He still did it. He still did the movie. <laughs> and, unless the script is good or you give me millions and millions of dollars. Oh, the paycheck must have been insane. And they had oh. David Mamet working on this screenplay. So it's not like... 
I reckon you'd be too nervous to say that a mammoth script sucks. You'd look at it and go, oh, it must be good. Yeah. It must just be going over my head. My lords. This, oh my god. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. I had only ever seen it once before. And like mm. you, Zach, I saw Sons of the Lambs. I adored that movie. It meant the world to me. I'm like, I gotta keep going. I love this little freaky guy they've got in this flick. <laughs> I've got to see what's going on with Dr. Freak over here. And I reckon probably like four days later after watching Sons of the Lambs for the first time, and then like the second, third, and fourth time, I watched it so many times, like within like the space of a week i'm like all right i'm gonna go in on hannibal and i went to the video store picked up that dvd right. chucked it in the player and thought this sucked shit <laughs> <laughs> and i never watched any of the other hannibal movies again even though like size of the lambs truly one of my favorite films ever i just could never bring myself to go back and keep watching these hannibal flicks because i thought this one was just so it's it sucked and today coming back to it I'm like, I'm going to give it a fair chance. I'm going to buy the freaking 4K UHD Blu-ray. I'm going to own this movie so I can invest my love into it and feel like I'm giving Hannibal a fair shot. And I believe I have done everything in my power to do so. That's great. I really wow. admire that. Wow. I, I paid $3.99 to rent it off the PlayStation Store. $3.99? I paid wow. $4.99. So, wow. So I also you... felt invested in this film. Mm. Mm. I was like, I couldn't be bothered working out binge. You told yeah, me it was on yeah. binge. I have a free trial and I couldn't be bothered. Mm. I, I didn't get around to signing the petition, K-Rad's petition. So I thought the least I yeah. could do is not watch it on binge. <laughs> <laughs> not sign up for binge. You know, we're Netflix boys as well, you know. We can't, we can't be I will never on. speak of another streaming service ever again. No, I was, and I was trying to work out how to do it on the PlayStation. I was like, oh no, I'll do a tweet. Mm. I'll do like an Instagram story like, hey, does anyone know how to sign up to binge? <laughs> I thought... I'm trying to watch Hannibal. <laughs> trying to watch Hannibal. And I've heard that binge. Hannibal's on binge. <laughs> and I just thought, I can't imagine the Netflix people would be too happy with yeah, me no. in going on to do a podcast to promote our show on their platform, then spending most of my time talking about binge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i got to work out how to get on binge. i really got to get on binge. they got all the Hannibals. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Netflix has the wonderful TV show, so check out Hannibal, the TV series on Netflix. We absolutely love I'd it. I'd recommend over there. watching Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun first, and then checking mm-hmm. out all of Hannibal series one, two, there's, three, and maybe hardly, is there four? Maybe I don't know. And there's hardly no, there's not one any yet. sophisticated cannibals in our show. <laughs> <laughs> Had you read any of the books before, Zach? I've read Silence of the Lambs. I right. loved the movie so much wow. that I read Silence of the Lambs. And then I never got around to reading uh, uh, Red Dragon. Right. that's the first mm-hmm. one. Mm. But it's just one of those things, I think, because like, Red Dragon came first, Silence of the Lambs is the sequel. But it just feels like one of those movies where he had a crack with Red Dragon and then he perfected it with Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Yeah. And then they did the same with the movie. They were just like, they had a crack with Manhunter, mm. got pretty close. <laughs> And then learn from their mistakes, mm-hmm. and then made a perfect movie. And then, uh, yeah. and then they're like, "Let's let's do another. One. Let's have another dip back in this pond." <laughs> I yeah. read the book Hannibal before I saw the film. Um, my my wow. dad got the book because my my dad liked Thomas Harris, so he got the book and he was like mm. excited to read it. He read it, and I remember him finishing reading it and being like, "I don't know, I don't know about this." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna give this book a crack. I can't wait to read it." I've got to tell you, I don't know if you've read about the book, Zach, 
mm. but it, it's it it's quite different to the film. It's still bad. In fact, it's worse. <laughs> mm. Can we listen? We're going to give you spoilers for the book Hannibal that are not part of the Hannibal movie. Yeah. Cameron, please tell Zach. I want to w- bear witness. Okay. Oh, having this found out exciting. last week. So, uh, without giving away too many spoilers for the movie, there is a point towards the end of the movie where Clarice and Hannibal are together. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, they become lovers. Oh yes. They um, Hannibal drugs Clarice, and oh, she oh, oh. she is in this like weird trippy acid sort of. Um, state and in that state she realises that she's in love with Hannibal and they travel the world together as cannibals no as cannibals <laughs> yeah. she joined him in cannibaling yeah. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I have a very special love and it seems like they did it in both the book and the, and the, and the movie there's something about um I was, I was comparing it with a friend to uh, what's the uh, to P- Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead mm. Man's Chest. It's got mm. a very similar energy where they made a movie. It was about one thing, and that's and they they had that movie, and they were like, "Who should we cast as this guy in it? That's in about fifteen minutes of this movie. Who mm. should we cast?" And then they cast someone really good, someone who'd been waiting their entire career to really shine in a big movie. That person had so much fun with their fifteen minutes. Everyone loved them so much. Mm. They were like, God, that sh- they should be in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the, the joy of that character not being in it that much. Oh, my um, God. It, like the, no one realizing that that was what was special. Because he's like Hannibal's just in Hannibal heaps. Hannibal's it's like too heaps much more Hannibal. in Hannibal. You, you like scenes where Hannibal and Clarissa chatting about stuff. Well, fuck! They chat about heaps. He goes in on the <laughs> mum. He goes in on the dad. He's talking about her whole damn history. <laughs> you thought the screaming? Left. You got seeds of Hannibal going to delicatessen yeah. and in, and teaking. You got him buying gu- duty free Gucci shoes for Jodie Foster or Julianne Moore, rather. And to come back to America with oh, You see Hannibal going duty free shopping in this movie. Yeah, and it's sniffing like... perfume. You see him going, uh, getting haircuts. If you liked him wearing mm. a hat at the end of Silence of the Lambs, guess what, buddy? You got about four or five fedoras coming your way in this <laughs> flick. You're going to absolutely flip your shit when you finally check out Hannibal, <laughs> the movie that stars Hannibal, the cannibal, in a freaking fedodo, okay, dude? He's rocking a couple of fedodos. <laughs> it is his first starring role. This is what we're oh, talking about. This is the first Lord. of the Hannibal series. None of that goofy FBI stuff. <laughs> Ugh, other My serial Lord. killers? No way. I'm here for Hannibal. <laughs> I just want to see a guy rocking around Rome. <laughs> I love that he's exactly. in Rome. Yeah, that's, God. Oh, that's the oh. best part. Because at the end of Silence of the Lambs, he's in like Panama or somewhere in South America. Some sort of place. I think you're getting confused. He's wearing a Panama hat. <laughs> oh, he's right. in a Panama hat. <laughs> he's wearing a Panama hat. In, he's actually just in Miami. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> love it so much that he goes to Rome, which has a yeah. really robust legal system and a lot of like very clear, like they've got NATO, they've got so many deals with America. Like they would just be like, that's Hannibal. <laughs> 
Dude, I, you know what though? I was I couldn't stop laughing at the fact that yeah, he's hiding out in Rome in this palatial mansion mm. that he lives in. Not only is he like just wandering around the streets, he also gives fucking talks and lectures and shit as as like Doctor Lecter. Yeah, Hannibal Lecture, dude. He's a cannibal that does lectures. That's where they get the name from. That- Hannibal Lecture. That's what it means. Hannibal Lecture. Oh, did you think he was a doctor of medicine? No, no, no. <laughs> yes, it's a, very confusing. PhD. It's actually yeah, very no, confusing yeah. what his doctorate is. Should we get it? Let's dive into this movie. The person I'm looking for is quite well known. He's killed 14 people that we know of. You ever think he might come after you? Well, at least 30 seconds of every day. Hello? Is this Clarice? Oh, hello, Clarice. Hannibal, 2001, directed by Ridley Scott. He's genuine, undeniable. He's evil, unspeakable. <laughs> Shit, sorry. He's genius, undeniable. <laughs> He's evil, unspeakable. Mm. After having successfully eluded the authorities for years, Hannibal peacefully lives in Italy in disguise as an art scholar. Mm. Trouble strikes again when he's discovered leaving a deserving few dead in the process. He returns to America to make contact with now disgraced agent Clarice Starling, who is suffering the wrath of a malicious FBI rival as well as the media. Hmm. Mm. Really good stuff. Yes, mm. it's awesome that this movie has an anti-media <laughs> message in it at points. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they they really like they really landed that message. I I picked up on that so clearly. <laughs> yeah, big time. This is truly a psycho movie. Like this is so yeah. weird. I really was coming into this movie like going like, okay, pay it respect. It's Ridley Scott. Sure, it's not the beloved cast and crew behind the original. Jonathan Demme didn't come back. Jodie Foster didn't come back. They said the book was too shit or they thought it was too violent or something. Not for them. But then you're getting another prestige director like Ridley Scott, hot off his Oscar from Gladiator. Another movie set in freaking Italy coming back to make like a, another horror movie from a horror icon like Ridley Scott. I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. Little did I know, going back in and watching this, because my, my mind was wiped clear of this film, thankfully. Coming back, this movie begins with a gangland mm. shooting. <laughs> FBI oh agents God. versus gangsters. Yeah, this movie starts in the wire. Clarice, it's pretty cool. It starts absolutely in the wire <laughs> at the fish markets, a place that is sacred to me, the gorgeous fish markets. And then it begins... With Clarice Starling absolutely riddling a woman. Ridley scotting a woman. (laughs) Riddling a woman with bullets while she has a baby in a freaking baby beyond. Yeah. And then she picks up the baby (laughs) from her dead mother's body and washes it with the fish gut hose. Not unlike a Zachary Ruan. (laughs) High pressure hose, not unlike a Zachary Ruan. Eureka. Just waterboarding this baby, wiping the blood off it. I'm like, what is this? This is a different movie. What is this thing? What is this mean? It feels like TV. Almost right Mm. away, you go, I'm watching a cop show. Even the way it's shot, all those kind of weird, unnecessary dolly shots that go behind people and shaky cam. It's just such a different visual language to what um, 
Demi did the first in Silence, and I think maybe that's cool that Ridley Scott is like, I'm defining myself differently. This isn't going to look like Silence of the Lambs, but that doesn't mean it's good. It um like it's right off the bat. I was like, oh my god, this is going to suck. It's going <laughs> to suck. Do you know, I, I feel like when I start, like I went on the biggest emotional journey I think I've ever been on in a film is the opening, <laughs> the opening titles are really, really badass. They're really, mm. really cool. They're kind of David Finchery. And I had this yeah. moment where I was like, hey, all right, this has kind of got aliens. Um, even mm. I shouldn't use this as an example because it needs to be defended in its own right. Halloween H2O vibes of like, you're taking the character (laughs) and you're making something completely new. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I think this movie might be underrated. I think this movie might be getting a bad rap. And then within Mm. 20 minutes, I don't think I've hated a movie more. (laughs) (laughs) And then by the end, like when the movie finished, I, I genuinely laughed. For 20 to 30 minutes, I've not laughed like that <laughs> at a comedy for maybe five years. My girlfriend was so upset by the film. We'll talk about the final scene. But I laughed for uh, 20 minutes and I was like, I think I think I love this film. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I I've been on a similar this. journey. I watched this movie twice over the last week because I'm like, oh, did I actually see this? What is this actually real? And the second time I watched it, those opening credits, I'm like, okay, cool, CCTV footage. But I didn't, I've never seen this before. At the end, <laughs> where they like, give the Hannibal credit. <laughs> it's like all like fucked up CCTV footage, yeah. all grainy yeah. and stuff. There's like um, pigeons uh, in this movie. In the, they're like reason, pigeons in the, that famous square in Rome. Yeah. yeah, you got it in freaking whatever the Roman fucking Rome, Rome Central, of, whatever it's called. A couple of coins, chuck them in the fountain, make a wish, and I hope your wish was you're gonna get sliced up by a fucking lecturer. <laughs> they, there's these pigeons are in the shape of Tony Hopkins' head. Yeah. They take, they make the form of like the shadows of his face, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's, that's when I knew it was gonna suck. Bag. I'll be honest. Yeah. That was the moment yeah. where I was like, okay. This kind of movie. It's an odd choice because the whole opening credits are like shot like CCTV footage. Mm. So it's giving you this feeling of realism, like you're looking at the real world and then they show you magic. That's crazy. (laughs) But also, don't you think that's what makes this feel like TV is that there's a cold open with Mm -hmm. Mason Verger where you get like, you get your callback character from Silence of the Lambs. Barney is selling off um, Hannibal Lecter merchandise that he's stolen to Mason, mm-hmm. you meet the bad guy, Mason Verger. Then there's this credit sequence, which feels like the opening of Justified or like <laughs> yeah. probably Numbers. It's it's probably like equivalent yeah, to the to TV be. show Numbers. And then then we kick into the plot, and then it's like a procedural for a little bit. It honestly, I was like, this this is a pilot to a TV show. I do love don't watch. that um, because you talk about that massive shootout. I love that Clarice studies in the first film. It's like a, what? So she studied um, serial killer profiling, mm. so interviewing mm. serial killers in order, and then just at some point, at some point in the last mm. ten mm. years, she's been moved to shootout with yeah. gang member. Like she's yeah. quick draw. Like, <laughs> she's a famous quick yeah. draw. In fact, she gets a Guinness World Record in this movie oh, for isn't that most crazy? kills by a female FBI agent. <laughs> I cannot believe that this movie has a Guinness World Record in it. I, I was shocked. 
I texted Cameron as well, like, there's a Guinness World Record in this. I was like, Can you believe it? I didn't quite know when they'd made this movie. You know, everyone had that sort of, like, that neat, like, gelled short hair. Mm. And uh, everyone, like, like he had a buzz cut. And, I was, and the, the blue tinge, I was like... I'm feeling like it's early 2000s. And then she's like, mm. oh, I just got... And this this is this is literally the script. We're not we're not upping this at all. She goes, not oh, at all. I just got a letter from Guinness World Records. I'm the female <laughs> FBI agent with the most kills. Oh. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this movie was made around 2001. <laughs> yeah, Do you yeah, know yeah. we love the Guinness World Records in the early 2000s? Oh, we loved them. We loved them. We love them. Cameron and I are obsessed with Guinness World mm. Records currently. We think about them every day. We tried to get a Guinness World Record. We mm-hmm. talk with them pretty regularly. They don't really like us. But but we, you know, we still think that they are wonderful. And to give out an award for most kills by a female FBI agent, you yep. wouldn't think that that would be printed in the book, but I'm glad to know that it is. Yeah. <laughs> to send a letter. That's the best part. I know. Here you like, go. Congratulations. I love What's that? Just to be like, congratulations, you've got it. And she's like, I didn't even apply for it, for God's (laughs) sake. And it's only two. Come on, that's not that many. Two over ten years? There'd be male FBI agents with much more confirmed kills. But hang on, has she killed more people that we just haven't seen off screen? Maybe, and she finally beat it's the record. It's been 10 years. Killing, this, killing the woman who was carrying a baby. She killed Jane Gum in silence, and then she yeah. killed this drug lord lady with a baby, which I think would be a fireable yeah. offense right away, right? To kill a mm. woman, to shoot at a woman who is has a baby strapped to her chest. Yes. Like, she's getting... She's got a baby strapped to her chest, but she's also strapped, she's strapped with a Mac 10, with a brody, nine, dude. Yeah. Come on, brother bear. But Come she would, I think she's getting fired for that. <laughs> Brother Bears. Well, they gave her a stern talking to. This movie had more than anything, I feel like um, it had a lot of notes from the first movie, but the mm. people the people like giving the notes hadn't watched the first movie in mm. five to ten years. Oh, There's just yeah. a lot of like um Oh, oh! I loved that like sexist uh, douchebag guard. Can we have a few more of him? <laughs> so like, all right, we can write four or five of him. We'll get Ray Liotta. Yeah. We'll get Ray Liotta to play the most sexist douchebag. My God, I love Ray Liotta in this. I read that the way Ray Liotta got cast was he he goes to the same gym as Ridley Scott. And one day he's just like, man, if you've got anything coming up, let me know. He's like, oh, actually, I've got something perfect for you. (laughs) Let me just just do a quick audition now. Can you please say the phrase, corn pone country pussy? Well, he did it. He nailed it. We got, we got Ray. We got Ray for this role. And then uh, also, like in this thing, like the like whoever's giving the notes is this guy. It's like one of the great like mega producers of all time. Mm. This guy called Dino De Laurentiis, who is truly one of the most iconic. Most iconic producers in like the first hundred years of filmmaking. He was an Italian producer who started like with the neorealist movement, producing people like Ferrellini, Vittoria De Sica, and he's worked with maybe the biggest filmmakers of all time. He's worked with everyone from your Brett Ratners to your Sidney Lumets to your uh, gosh. Robert Altman, Igmar Bergman, Don Siegel, William Friedkin, Louis, uh, Milos Forman, everyone. He's worked for like all the greats, Michael Shimino, if you will. And um, 
he has just as many hits. He's got like almost 40 movies nominated for Best Picture. And then he's got just as many flops. For every uh, Conan the Barbarian, there's a Red Sonja right behind it with this guy. And he had the rights to the Thomas Harris novel Manhunter. And then when Silence of the Lambs came out... Oh, Thomas Harris novel Red Dragon became Manhunter. He produced that. Silence of the Lambs, he decided like he didn't really want to do it. He just gave it away for free. Amazing. And then... When it comes back and it's like a huge hit, he regrets it. And he goes to Thomas Harris and gives him $10 million to produce the sequels to uh, Silence of the Lambs. And it's expected that everyone's going to come back. No one really does. And he just still makes it his cash cow for the next like couple of things. And gets he decides he, he's working in Italy with Ridley Scott in Gladiators, like around the corner. So he just like organizes a day, like, let's hang out. I want to give you this. Ridley Scott reads the book and he said that he loved it and didn't put it down. Like he read it in like two sittings. And then, he, but he's also like, I loved it. The ending sucks shit. We have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I have a theory that Ridley Scott is the biggest cunt in the world. I think mm. that Ridley Scott is. I have you seen the film? Oh, I can't remember its name. The one he did with. Uh, I watched it for another podcast. I'm watching a lot of Ridley Scott for podcasts. <laughs> we love Ridley. Um, I think I think he's never. I don't think he gives any notes on the scripts he gets. I don't think he gives mm. a shit. I think he's like, all right. And, they're like, and then, like, other people are like, maybe we shouldn't do the, like, running off and becoming cannibals together. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, Tell me whatever. when the script is done. <laughs> I'll, I'll film it. Well, whenever you hear stories about his films, it's always actors saying, like, yeah, we improvised that monologue or um, we rewrote some of the dialogue. I've never heard of Ridley Scott being like, I sat down and I worked on it and I fucking got the words right. I don't think he thinks about that. I think he thinks about hmm. what would look cool and what's a good vibe, what's a fun tone that I could play with. I, and I, I genuinely think he's like, my job is to direct, your job is to write. If yeah. you write a bad mm. script, too bad, the movie's bad. That's not <laughs> yeah, my job yeah. to save it. <laughs> <laughs> Every movie he's made that sucks is because the script sucks. And he's just like... I'm not. I'm not an auteur. I just make your movie. You 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 gave me a shit script. Bye, everyone. I'm making another one now. I love it. I love it. I'm all for and, it. Uh, and this script is like adapted by David Mamet, and then everyone's like, "The Mamet script sucks. We got to do a day one rewrite." And they get Steve Zalian on board. Wow. And this guy, uh, he's you know a great screenwriter, Steve Zalian. He's one. Of, he's known as like one of the best in the bizzo. And Dino De Laurentiis said that uh, in this documentary that I watched, and you watch as well, Zach, he goes, oh, Steve Zalian, he's so expensive. He's so worth it. I mean, truly, coming from the book, it sounds like they rescued the turd. They were able to polish a turd to be beautifully put on display. There's cool stuff in this movie. It's It's not... all bad it's just Mm. all unnecessary in my opinion like if you want a sequel and you want to see more hannibal fucking going around being charming and erudite and then killing people you get it you get all that stuff it's Mm. just that's not what i like about silence of the lambs i like the procedural stuff i like Mm. quantico i like fbi i like seeing a young agent coming like head to head with a couple of criminal masterminds and Mm. in this i think it's a mistake to bring clarice starling into this story 
because mm. she doesn't get to do anything at all in this movie. Julianne Moore's a great actor. She doesn't even get to do different facial expressions in this movie. <laughs> she like there's no scene where she's sad. There's no scene where she's happy. Mm. She's just like stern faced the whole fucking movie. It's a waste. I'm just worried. And there's literally no reason for that character to be Clarice either. Like, it could not be really. fucking anybody. It could as have been any as, agent. As soon as it was no, they should have just gone, all right, let's make this a new character, someone who's been fascinated by him her entire yeah. career and yeah. gets yes. the opportunity. Like, that would have been a better movie. But, but they just didn't. Because, again, my theory that Ridley Scott... Hasn't given a fuck since about the late 80s. Probably. Like, I think they were like, since Thelma and Louise. Probably. <laughs> mm. Yeah, they're like, I don't mm. think we have, um, I don't think we have uh, Jodie Foster anymore. And he's like, that's fine. Get someone else. Oh, yeah, get the other one. The other red. <laughs> like, do you want to rewrite yeah. it? And he's like, no, I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that the character, the, um, the guy Patsy, the uh, Italian mm. cop who the- decides to. Be a bounty hunter and hunt and speaks in English the entire yeah. time. Oh, I hello, think, hello. I'm Italian. Yes, yes, I actually think that that character is more compelling to me. The idea of like yeah. a lawman who decides to go out on his own for a reward—that's mm. a more compelling character that I would watch for a film. Yes. And then you get Clarice to be the Hannibal Lecter this time where he calls her and talks to her trying to get into the mind of Hannibal. And then you don't even need to see her. You can get like Frank Caliendo or something to do an impression <laughs> of Jodie Foster on the other side. And then that's it. We don't even need to recast it. It's that's just such right. a... Um, there's too many people in this movie and none of mm. them are compelling enough to watch. You know, Clarice Starling should not be boring to watch. And yet no. she is mm. in this movie. She, she's the most compelling was... thing in the first film. It's mm. it's, it's Clarice's film, yeah. and it's about Clarice being with someone, like being. It's Clarice, this complex character, up against this like just force of nature, this mm. person that's not mm. even human. And then the idea to like swap that around and make him Ugh. the main character is just like what he doesn't. He just goes around killing people. Like, yeah. Oh, he's not that God. interesting of a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. he's not fascinating anymore. I think as well, like ju- like this. The thing about this that's weird is that Julianne Moore is perfect for this role. Mm. I cannot imagine Jodie Foster ever being in this movie. I can't do the like the mysticism in my head to go. Okay, imagine what Jodie Foster would be doing as this. I'm, I can't imagine Jodie Foster playing this character that she won a fucking Academy Award for in this movie. It just doesn't make sense. This is only a Julianne Moore role, or I don't know, get fucking Taya Leone or some shit. Like it doesn't. <laughs> this quite, is a Taya like Leone role, dude. This is Taya absolutely. Leone. This is Taya's wheelhouse. I would admit Taya Leone would be sublime in this movie. If you know, yeah. get a movie star like her in this. And really Carla Gugino, I could see her. Wow, wow. she would crush it. Yeah. She would just kill it. My God, she would crush just it. Anyone Dude, from it... TV? Mm, <laughs> any absolutely. any actor from TV? <laughs> Let me tell you a name: Laura San Giacomo from <laughs> yeah, fucking Just yeah, Shoot exactly. Me. My lord, exactly. she crushed this shit. Dude. The whole the the. I think I really want to like defend this movie just a teeny tiny bit in the sense mm. that you know, Ka- Cameron, you were saying I don't think it was very good. In fact, I think it was bad. I like wholly agree with you to the point that 
It surpassed good and bad, the final <laughs> yeah. scene. Like, in the yeah. last sort of 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, this movie does not deal in... <laughs> this movie does not deal in the absolutes of quality. Mm. <laughs> this movie is just, like... <laughs> I agree. Bat shit. Like, yeah. it is the most bat shit mainstream film I have ever mm. seen. Absolutely. It's just yeah. fucking batshit. Well, let's talk about how batshit it is, because I agree. There was a point where I just started going, I, I, I am enjoying this so much because yeah. of how out there all the choices are. First of all, the bad guy, Mason Verger, has the most fucked up look I've ever seen on, a, on film. The choice to go that disgusting with the prosthetics, and we have to look at it in close up so much. There's just no lighting. There's no, no reveal. No reveal. There's no like. There's no reveal. The Straight into there's it. There's no Spielbergian sort of like he's in the darkness, and then no. in, in the final scene he steps out from behind the curtains. Like I think the set designer assumed we'd be doing that, and then yeah. Ridley was like, "All right, so we get a shot on him right in the right on his face. We need the close up now. Make it so wetter." <laughs> Like, are you sure? It's like, it's very upsetting. And he's in the whole movie and he's like, shut up. And it's always close-ups <laughs> on him. There is one reveal moment when Clarice first sees him and he's in darkness and then he turns the light on. But we've already seen his face in close-up seven times. Yeah. So it, that whole thing was just like wasted on us. I got so infuriated at that. Then there's the fact that he's a pedophile mm-hmm. who um, oh, is he a vigilante. A Yes, yeah. the pedophile layer. Right. Well, it's Great. it's in the. There's a lot going on in this. There's movie, a lot so going on. Yes, okay. A, you can miss a little wrinkle here and there. He's a pedophile. I saw the gay panic layer, but I didn't see oh, the yeah. pedophile mm. layer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of can gay I panic say, in this too. Yeah. yeah, that I read that um, originally they were trying to get Christopher Reeve to play this character, and he after seeing him in like in a few movies that after he made since becoming quadriplegic they were like oh christopher reeve would be awesome in this and he turned it down when he found out the character was a quadriplegic pedophile (laughs) (laughs) yeah this movie does for quadriplegics what silence of the lambs does for transgender people i think Mm. they're all pedophiles (laughs) it's just it's like it what i would say above and beyond anything with this film is is um it's this peak of like uh, or the opposite like a trough with censorship mm. it kind of <laughs> belongs in the like all the series that came out after south park where like all the all the censorship of the like the the moral panic kind of christian censorship of the past hundred years had gone you could be yeah. as violent as you want mm. you could be as like grotesque as you want but none of the uh like uh, censorship that we've seen in the last 10 years had started yet you know the idea that yes or maybe this That's isn't the point. best way to represent a quadriplegic disabled mm. gay man could be a little crook or like any of that <laughs> so we're just at this peak in like 2001 where, where literally you can do anything in a movie and then yeah. you've got a filmmaker who stopped giving any kind of yeah. shit so people yeah. are like let's put this in it he's like all right absolutely and it is just Everything. This movie has everything. It's not only really is uh, film. not only is Mason Verger a, a pedophile, everyone in his staff are convicted sex offenders as well. <laughs> That's a detail mm. that you don't really get in the movie, but in the book, it's a big thing that he's only employed convicted is sex offenders to work with him. 
So that guy who is his like, um, you know, the Zelko Ivanovic. That character. guy, uh, he's mm. a pedophile as well. I think he's been castrated or oh something, chemically castrated. So there's that element going on. <laughs> then there's the fact that, oh my that this movie has heaps of shootouts in it. Um, mm. There's the fact that Hannibal then becomes sort of like fucking Jack the Ripper and is just stalking mm. around Rome, like slicing people up. And <laughs> Give it he a just slice. kills rude people. Yeah. Stab. <laughs> Stabbing people in the market oh. and shit. It's crazy. Oh my word. <laughs> and like. Also, the guy that he stabs in the market, yeah, it's like a pickpocket that Giancarlo Giannini's characters like get his fingerprint on this thing, and then Hannibal kills him like yeah. immediately. Yeah. So he was like, Hannibal's like, I'm gonna kill an Italian guy today, no matter what. <laughs> if anyone comes near me, tries to pick a pocket me, I'm gonna slice their nutsack open and let them bleed to death. And he's like, Oh, you. Fucked with the you wrong American guy. <laughs> my favorite layer is because this this movie is set in its own world, but the first movie is very much set in the real world. And it made mm. me think about like, imagine if just Ted Bundy had moved to Italy mm. and like bought a one point eight million dollar <laughs> conversion converted loft, yeah, and just went around Italy killing people. That's literally what yeah. this movie is implying: the idea of like yeah. a wow. real serial killer just like trotsing through Rome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Hannibal's um, Hannibal's like taste and his mm. cl- his whole like manner is based around like class and I like classical mm. music and good food and shit. I think all of that works in silence because he's in jail 100%. and it's aspirational. And we're yeah. like, he's just talking about it and being like, I miss Florence. I love the classical music and all this shit. But to see him live those aspirational dreams makes me... Hate him so much. He's so <laughs> yeah. gauche. He's fucking. His his taste is. He's boring. Gauche. He's a fucking bore, dude. We see him at the opera, like going like wincing at people hitting wrong notes and stuff, and like mm. I don't know. He loves art and all this shit. I'm like you little fucking one percent cunt. I hate you. I <laughs> yeah. fucking. Ha- I want you. I'm not rooting for you anymore. I was rooting yeah. for you in silence. Yeah, I was rooting for him in silence. I was like, get Clarice, man. Get out of there. Get out of there. Go. Come on. You're a gentleman. You don't belong in prison. But now it's, that it's I very see funny. him, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, that, that, like, that whole, his whole character is all about contrast. It's all contrast. Mm. It's all like this guy in a cell in a dungeon wearing like prison clothes. But the way he talks, he can cut mm. through all of that. Yeah. And I love the idea of just like, but what if we get rid of the contrast? Yeah. What yeah. if? <laughs> it's like that famous, famous scene in the first film where he talks about having like, a, the, I ate his liver with some fava beans and mm. a nice glass of, it's like someone just said, he, like when they pitched the movie, they're like, this movie, you get to see the liver. <laughs> you see the fava beans. You, you smell see. the Chianti. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like Crocodile Dundee 2 where, you know, Cro- Crocodile Dundee 1, he's in New York. And then mm. in 2, they're like, what if he's in the Outback this time? And we're like, it's we don't awesome. want to, we don't care. We want to see I a fish I love a out fish in water. water movie. I love a fish in water movie. They're some of the most sensational pictures. Fish in their water. It's it's very oh. Chronicles of Riddick, isn't it? As well. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> My like, God, is... this is the Chronicles of Riddick of Hannibal's of the Hannibal franchise. <laughs> oh, 
That's such a... That's it. That should be the poster quote for this movie. And that's why I think um, Red Dragon is still a bad movie, but it's better than this because we, we go, oh, thank God, we're back to Hannibal being in jail. That's more fun for me just to see this guy in a fucking cell mm. being erudite and charming rather than swanning around in Gucci suits and stuff like that. Oh, oh man. my lord. Can I tell you about my new favorite guy? Yeah. yeah. This is the this is the the special make makeup effects guy on this movie. I had never really seen him before, but obviously he's like making stuff like Mason Verger and then this Ray Liotta dummy that gets his head sliced open to eat the brains from. He does fucking phenomenal work. His name is Keith Vanderlyn, and he uh, was nominated for an Oscar for some other movies, not this one. He was nominated for um, The Passion of the Christ, doing like all the special effects makeup mm. for that movie. And he's... Um, uh, I sent you guys a photo of him before. He yes. is yeah. one like of a... the most immense blokes you could he ever like see. looks like Dave Batista. He's, he's huge. <laughs> he is a huge unit. And he does like all this amazing like artistic reality work with these things. His IMDB profile picture is literally a gym selfie. Like he <laughs> has to be like six foot five. He's a big beef unit. And I was like, I got to see what else he's done. He hasn't, he's worked in some big movies like Apocalypto. He did Little Man was his last, one of his last movies, the Wayans Brothers film. And then um, in 2010, he hasn't done movies. So I'm like, what's this guy up to now? And I'll tell you, I found his website, Keith Vandalin. He is now a high-end real estate agent. What? <laughs> no. He is a high-end real estate agent. Keith Vandalin, list your home with me and I will design a custom marketing campaign while stimul- simultaneously using the tried and true methodology that defines the Sotheby's <laughs> brand in order to reach qualified home buyers interested in a home like yours. And he sells like high-end like <gasps> mansions, like specifically curated like in Florida currently. And he's now got a real estate agent profile picture, which is like that classic th- real estate thing where it's like he's wearing a nice like peach colored jacket, glasses, but he's still a big boy unit with big bald head. And then on his website, like it's got all the listings for the houses he's currently selling. They're all like over oh $2 million dollars in Florida. I'm on his website and, right now. And then where it's got a section that says accolades. This is your new obsession, yeah, Cameron. I knew I that know. this would be drag you in. Oh, no. It's got a section called Accolades. Accolade number one, Academy Award nominee and Emmy <laughs> Award winner. Accolade number two, I adapted the New York Times bestselling book Left to Tell by Immaculabi Igalazabilia into a screenplay. I built a business from the ground up, employing hundreds of people and enjoying decades of success until I sold it off in 2006. Then it just goes on to real estate stuff. It's never like, <laughs> oh, I designed this and then a picture of Mason Verger or like Rayleigh on his head getting eaten. Like, it's just like, yeah, 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 I'm a nice guy, sell big mansions. I didn't make the most fuck disgusting prosthetic this you'll ever see of a guy who's crazy the being removed by Hannibal Lecter. I'm so happy that he got out of the business I love it when anyone mm. can get out of this goddamn industry that we're in guys oh, oh boy good oh Lord. boy absolutely oh, but sick and if you biz. guys want to buy a mansion I have to recommend yeah. Keith Vanderlyn you've got to go for the guy that invented Hannibal eating the brains. yes if you want to buy a house buy it from an Academy Award nominee and Emmy Award winner that's what you look for in a real estate agent that's the beautiful thing about Florida it doesn't matter who you've been where mm. you've come from <laughs> mm. you can make anything of yourself in Florida and that's what I love you know there's no questions 
when he's coming and saying, I'm going to sell you your mansion. They're not saying, have you done any grotesque makeup? <laughs> in weird, fucked up sequels. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've been. Oh, good Lord. I'm going, to mess- I'm going to message his website. Yeah, just be like, hey, I'm man, just going to tell him I really, yeah, tell him I really like his makeup work in this film, and ask if he'd like to have a chat with us. Because you, I mean, it's phenomenal what he does in this movie. It's out of control. From phenomenal, yeah. You you touched on the final part that I think is one of the most batshit moments in this film, <laughs> which is Ray Liotta's demise. Mm. Ooh, I, I remembered oh, that. I've seen this a long time ago. I remembered it. Yeah. But I'm still... You're not prepared, I don't think, for how fucking visceral and disgusting that sequence is. So can I say, I have never seen this film. One of the reasons I've never seen this film is because I loved Silence of the Lambs so much I never Mm -hmm. wanted it ruined for me. Of course. The other reason is when I was about 11 years old, my cousin told me about this scene. He Mm. said, have you heard of Hannibal? It's really messed up. There's a bit at the end. really crazy. And he described the scene to me. And it was so, like, like I remember I had nightmares about it. I've always imagined oh, what God. this scene would be like. So I've always been, it's just had this place in my head of, like, what is this final scene? How full on is this scene? Um, and what's so amazing is I always imagine there to be a degree of subtlety and a degree of tension and a Mm. degree of, like, feeling the pain. Kind of, Mm. you know, more sound effects than... Yeah. Often in these movies, it's more about the sound than it is about the Mm. visual. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, Mm. (laughs) is Mm. this scene, having heard about it for 20 years and finally seeing it, I lost my mind. It's why I laughed for half an hour. It is just so special. (laughs) It's it's so the thing that got me, and that's the one thing I'll never forget, is like he's wearing that Yankee cap the whole yeah. time, like a baseball cap. Yeah. Flipped around. Fred Durstar. And it's like he's got a Fred Durstar hat on. He actually looks quite thirsty in that moment. He does. Yeah. Especially that little drip of blood oh. coming down his skull. Oh. And then when it comes off and he just pops that lid, he pops a lid off the hat. You noise. Off. Like a little you hear? while the skull and cap he, comes off, revealing brain. Literally. Oh, the so bit that gross. got me then, was when he cuts the sack open that that's goes it. around, oh. the, that protects oh. the brain from the skull. When he because it looks like glad wrap oh. over the brain. It's... He's like, "Oh, allow me." It's been marinating in its own juices. But it's I like, think the oh, thing that really oh, oh, oh. fucked me up about it uh, is just how drugged up um, Ray Liotta is. <laughs> that performance <laughs> of Ray Liotta being like all drugged up and be like, "Hey, Clarice, welcome to." <laughs> Dinner. It's nice to see yeah. you, baby. Corn pom pussy. And I'm like, man, he's he's dying. Like we're watching a man slowly die. He's being kept alive by morphine at the moment. This is mm. really horrific. I always imagined it to be. I knew there was a quadriplegic character in it. I always thought it was that character. And mm. I thought what the scene was was he got into the brain. This is how I always he got into the brain without the guy mm-hmm. realizing because he couldn't feel it because of sp- like sensory mm. issues mm. and then fed it to him without the guy realizing i always thought it was like a tense scene of like how is he and i was always imagining that like a you thriller. gave it way too much credit 
Yeah. Because the mm. first movie is a thriller. Mm. I thought this movie would be a thriller. Yeah, but it's, it's not. not a thriller. No. It's not a horror movie ever either. <laughs> I don't entirely know what this film is. <laughs> it's a holiday flick. <laughs> really? Like, a, if you yeah. go for genre, it's a round holiday flick. Tourism. <laughs> yeah. Italian tourism board. <laughs> yeah, it's a globetrotter. <laughs> it's a globetrotting adventure. Mm. It really truly is it's a like globetrotting Mr. love Ripley story. or something. It's yeah, bizarre. Hannibal goes back and forth across the the Atlantic like so many times. Like it's <laughs> insane to me that he's on. You see Just him literally underneath customs. Osama bin Laden on like yeah. the ten most wanted list, and then he's going duty free shopping and getting on the plane, no problem. He's chopped off his own hand at the end of the movie, and then minutes later he's like on the plane feeding brain to oh, a little boy. God. It's like I think that final that name. final button, which I guess is supposed to be. The dark, twisted sense of humor of Thomas Harris. Like, look at this this cannibal. He's now possibly <laughs> creating another cannibal out there in the world. Mm. I think that actually is the most mean-spirited ending to a film I've ever seen. It it's is awful. It's cruel. truly, truly awful. And not in like an American psycho kill the dog kind of way. Like a, no. like a oh my God, I can't believe they went there. It's just like... Like, they just do the scene. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they just do the scene and it says nothing, it does nothing. And then it ends on, like, this, like, happy freeze frame. Hannibal and his little friend. And it fucking, there's, like, a closed diopter that goes in around Hannibal's eye. <laughs> just like, mm. here, like a Looney Tunes, bro. Like a Looney Tunes circle closing. <laughs> but but, but, but and that's all, Hannibal's folks. Eye. I just was like, what yeah. the fuck was that? It what was just- that? I've never seen a mainstream movie. The, the, the gore is not for tension. It's not a thriller. Mm-hmm. It just is gory. It's mm. horrific. And then it has, like... The, it, uh, the, what, 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 what is this movie trying to say? I don't know. Like, why does this movie exist? I don't know what it's saying. Like The first one had, had a story, the, had subtext. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't have any subtext. Maybe, like you were saying, it's an anti-media movie. Maybe. Oh, they back-engineered that when they did <laughs> yeah, the interview with the <laughs> And they also yeah. dispatch with Mason Verger so quickly. Like, he doesn't even get a big villain moment. There's no tension to him capturing mm-hmm. Hannibal. It's just over in three minutes. He's been caught. He escapes. Um, and then Mason gets pushed in and eaten alive by pigs. Um very quickly there's no like, there's no big payoff there's no fucking monologue explaining anything it's just yeah. here's a bunch of shit then Hannibal was in it the most you can give this movie for like a subtextual message is like hey you can't help who you fall in love with it could be a <laughs> fucked up guy I think that's the problem is that this is a love story but they pussied out of the love ending um, and that's why it means nothing it would be better if like the love story was subtextual like it just oh, goes yeah. overt with yeah, it yeah. where it's like they kiss. Yeah, That's fucked yeah, when yeah. he like puts a ponytail in the fridge, which like if you haven't seen the movie, me saying that you can't even imagine yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. You can't <laughs> imagine that's a ponytail key plot point. <laughs> yeah. Where someone can like cut their own hair. I know how fucking yeah. fridges work. They don't work like that. Yeah, yeah. He he, sh- he pushes her back, shoves her ponytail in the fridge, traps her, and then he kisses her. And it's like, come on, dude. That's fucking that shouldn't weird. ever have been what it's about. Between the them. movie, mm. it's about like what there's this see there's a moment in it where um where where the the pedophile the 
grotesque pedophile man says he, he he's sitting he's sitting there because and he goes he goes um what's with Clarice and Hannibal does he yeah. want to eat her does he want to fuck her nobody knows yeah <laughs> like way to take the relationship yeah. the most complex cinematic relationship <laughs> of all time and inside the movie not even in like an art inside yeah. the sequel just like boil it down to that I'm like, well i guess that's the question we're all asking yeah and also <laughs> yeah. i was never asking myself that question not <laughs> once was i like not i once. think he wants to fuck her i was more like he's like a he likes being a boss like he likes having yeah. a mentee and he likes sort of Training people and shit like that. He did the same it's thing a, with Will Graham. Yeah, it's a, it's about it's about control and it's about that a serial killer. The killing is just the top layer. The killing is just the mm. final thing. What it is for them is it's about control. It's about you know it's narcissists and mm. psychopaths. They want to control people. It's a it's a mental game and that's what it mm. is. That first movie is all about the mental game that he plays and the killing is just one part of it. Mm, um, but yeah. in this movie, it's like, nah, right? <laughs> not only do they ask the question, mm. does he want to fuck her? They answer it with, yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Yep. <laughs> and he's a dirty dog. Oh. He absolutely wants to fuck her. He's a dirty dog. <laughs> he loves to fuck. You just thought he liked to eat. That was this how you thought he was. You were thinking he was a psychosexual and he's, yeah. he's the way he, that he liked to kill, torture, and eat people. Nah, he also likes to fuck. He likes to get his nut. This guy will get his yeah. nut every now and then. Let me tell you, human flesh is not the only thing this guy likes to eat. <laughs> if you catch my drift of what I mean. I think I do. I got it. I gotta tell you, like, the, I think the most clear example watching this movie again, like, what is wrong with it, it, or like what the difference is rather than what is wrong with it, is that the first movie, Sons of Lambs, is so built up on like this really incredibly uh, realized, like never before and probably never since, like commentary on the male gaze. Like that Ooh. whole movie is all about the male gaze. You always see. Uh, every man that Clarice talks to in like a tight close-up from her perspective, her POV. So you really capture like every little like nuance of how they look at her and how men look at Clarice, every male character. And then when you see Clarice, it's not from their perspective. It's from like a slightly off perspective. So you see how she feels being looked at by these people without being the direct POV of them. And then in this movie... There's a scene where they're at a meeting with Ray Liotta's character, and then he, you see a full body shot of Clarice's like body and ass mm. from Ray Liotta's POV, and never again, like never any commentary on mm. it apart from like, oh, Ray Liotta's a slime boy. He looked at her, he ogled her, but you don't get that same feeling of like capturing the male no. gaze and what it feels like. It just goes like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what it looks like. And the line, and I think that's, I think the line as well that the movie mm. draws, the first movie draws between, you know, the guard and really like, is there much of a difference between the guard and the serial killer? Mm. It's actually just mm. all degrees of, of hating. It's all degrees mm. of yeah. hatred of women. It's all degrees of, of violence. It's all degrees. Um, and then this movie is like, nah, Hannibal's the good guy. This guy's a bad guy and check it when he eats his brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So confident in its moral core. I think you've yeah. really nailed it on the head, Zach. This movie, I think the reason why it's special is because it exists in that perfect trough of time 
yeah. post, um, post like uh, South Park pre PC bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I like trough. I like it like rather trough. than pig. It is a trough. We're it's in a trough. trough. Absolutely. <laughs> and everything's flowing down into it. And it's uh it could never exist. It would never be made now. Um even when it was kind of reused for the TV show Hannibal, I'm sure they toned down some of the fucking filth that's in this mm. movie. They kind of amp it up because like season two and the start of season three of Hannibal, I'm watching it currently, it is a remake of Hannibal the movie. But Will Graham is in it this time, who goes to Italy to try and find him. Mason Verger and Mason Verger's sister, who is not in mm, the movie, in the are like, they're in it and they have like this huge squabble with each other. And like, um, that's kind of like what it is. The Pazi, the Pazi characters in it as well. Um, but the stuff of Clarice is handled really differently because now it's played by Gillian Anderson, wow. who plays Hannibal Lecter's. Um, psychiatrist that he speaks to so it's kind of like so it's not it's not clarice it's um a new a new character they've just taken the yeah the beats the character beats a new character that has like some even at least some status comparable to hannibal Mm. and then like you know it's kind of like she's his therapist and he's a psychiatrist and so he sees her so it's like in the sopranos when melfi Mm. goes to see peter bogdanovich Mm. they've got kind of that vibe going on but then like he escapes to italy with her and like does all that fucked up shit with her and it makes way more sense it's so much more elegantly done that i think it's like having seen this translated in a really good way i'm kind of astonished that this movie exists at all like i can't <laughs> believe that they saw this and go like well actually we can do a better job i don't know how you could see this and think you could do a better job than this because this is like i don't know it's so weird it's this so is such weird. a weird it's made movie. by a filmmaker that people will often put in their top five he's a master filmmaker yeah. starring an academy award winning actor and it's absolutely mm-hmm. fucking vile and disgusting, and it's about nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's it's ugly. It's an ugly movie. Ugly. It's like it's it's got this energy as well, doesn't it? Of like, I think that's so on the money. I remember I watched Cats recently, and everyone loves talking about Cats. Mm-hmm. But I watched Cats, and I got caught in this like three or four day loop where I always try to say what I would do, how I would make that movie, how what mm-hmm. they should have done. And I got mm, caught yeah. in this loop with cats where you keep going down this path of like maybe if they'd done real sets, maybe if it had been makeup, maybe if they'd taken out two thirds of the songs and made it mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kept going down this path and kept like stopping myself and going, no, the issue is they made the film. Yeah, it couldn't <laughs> yeah. have been what done sh- any other way. What they should have done is he should have gone, oh, it's funny they never made a movie of Cats. He should have gotten a DVD of a live recording. He should have watched the play and gone, mm. oh, no, I'm yeah. not going to make this movie. Mm. And I, mm. I, I I feel that with this film. You go down all mm. these paths of what you should have done and it's like, oh, no, there shouldn't be a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. The idea that someone watched it and went, I'm going to do this good mm. and did it by all accounts good is mind-blowing to me. Absolutely. You can't believe it. (laughs) You can't can't believe it. Because it's all the stuff in the book that they didn't put in the movie because it was too weird and too gross. There's some incestuous shit with Mason and his sister from memory. Yeah, it's crazy. And it all works in the show in this grotesque way. Like, there's this... I'm going to tell you something. Do you want me to say it? It's really gross. Yeah, Yeah, why not? So, like, 
in the series, like Mason Verger and his sister, they're like these billionaires, but he's the heir to everything, and they need like a male heir for the lineage to oh, continue gross. with the money and stuff. <laughs> but tragically, his sister's a freaking lesbian, and that makes some things quite difficult. And then she gets impregnated by Will Graham, but then Mason Verger like removes her cervix or something you find out oh my god fucking hell yeah and then she starts a relationship with Will Graham's other therapist which is crazy and then um what they do when they kill Mason Verger is um they um they stimulate his prostate with a cow prod to um Uh, yeah that happens in the book that's in the book yeah yeah and they use that to inseminate her but also is this in the book i'm gonna tell you something really really fucked up this is a network tv show yeah Yeah. the same channel it's not even even on netflix (laughs) yes uh it's also the same channel as fucking like the office and stuff it's like nbc (laughs) it's like seinfeld reruns will be on before this friday night lineup Friends mad about you. Is this Hannibal. in the book? So you think that he's like he he's taken her baby and she's no longer has this baby, her cervix removed or whatever. Um, but then like in the final episode of this arc, he's had um the the baby still growing inside the body of a, a pig. Oh, that sounds familiar, but maybe I'm just that's something I dreamt once. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> that is Christ. so disgusting. Yeah. I'm, ne- I'm never going to watch this show. I'll tell you right now. That is so fucking vile. Yeah, there's yeah. almost something about the f- like the idea that like oh no, it's classier and mm. it's done better. Like the one saving grace of of the film Hannibal is just how brutally mm. like fucked it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. This movie is fucked out of its mind. <laughs> I don't want to see it done better. Yeah, I don't see yeah. it done with integrity like, and that's over worse. a longer period of time as well. Like. Yeah. I have to watch 13 episodes of it. He really gets to live with the characters. I just love the notion that, like, the first... And the book, Silence of the Lambs, is incredible. The book is incredible. Mm. And it's such a, like, complex exploration of, of really true stories. It's just the slightest, slightest step away from truth. Um, the idea that people are like, that was a character piece... <laughs> What we yeah. what we loved about that story is the characters and what we want oh, to see is more of them. <laughs> oh, my oh my lord! Oh, brutal. brutal. I don't know. Would you, Zach? Do you think you would recommend this to people, like to actually watch and go beyond Silence of the Lambs? I would uh, like. I, I, it, it's now now that the seal is broken. I'm a big like. I love Miami Vice. I've mm-hmm. only just sort of gotten into Miami Vice Hectic. recently. So, like, 80s Michael Mann is just a world I'm excited to explore. Yeah. And I always was, like, afraid to break the seal because I love mm. I love uh, Silence of the Lambs so much. So, f- on one level, I'm so glad I've broken the seal and this movie doesn't ruin Silence of the Lambs because it's so batshit it doesn't feel like a sequel. Mm. Mm. So, on one level, yeah... On another level, I'd really have to know the person. I can't express how upset my partner was. She was sitting next to me. She's like, what? This is not nice. This is not a nice. (laughs) No, it's not fun to sit and watch it with someone you love. No. (laughs) No. So I would have to know them. I would have to know that they know me. I'd have to know why I'm recommending the movie. Yeah, yeah. that being said, it's it's such a curio. Like the fact that this is a mainstream movie. Yeah. The fact that this was like released, you know, on a Thursday at Village Cinemas. <laughs> you get your popcorn. 
<laughs> get a cut. <laughs> oh my god! And like, which is like, <laughs> it's such a prestige movie. Like, I don't know. You know, oh most god. of the time when it's like, oh, it's a sequel, but no one's returning except for one guy who loves doing this shit. Like, that's not prestige. But this no. one, this was like, you know, they were prestige hoping... director. Prestige, Prestige director. screenwriters. Exactly. And you're like, Julianne hopefully Moore... Oscars, you know? Hmm. Yeah, they were gunning for Oscars. Like, they were gunning for Oscars. And that's what blows my... The idea you mentioned Cheap Tuesday at the start of this, and I think that's such a, such a key concept, that in 2001, people would have said, have you seen the new Hannibal movie at your local village or Hoyts? Oh, my God. <laughs> And people were like, no, no, I'm waiting for Cheap Tuesday. Yeah. Me and my partner will go mm. to the mainstream <laughs> cinema on Cheap Tuesday, $10 tickets, maybe $7 tickets in 2001, and we're going to sit down and we're going to watch Ray Liotta eating his own brain while fucked out of his mind. They're waiting, <laughs> getting popcorn. There's a poster for Dudley Do-Right to their left, a poster for Dude, Where's My Car to their, to their right, and they're walking in to see Hannibal. I watched... Less fucked up movies at like Nova. I've gone to like an art house cinema mm-hmm. watching less fucked up movies at the palace and gone and gone, oh, that's pretty fucked up. That's a pretty fucked up European movie. And the idea that that, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful that there would have been a trailer. There would have been a trailer before that movie for like, exact for fucking Shag, the Shaggy Dog starring Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so special to me. It's so special. So for that, yeah, Yeah. I recommend it to the person that could get on board with that. I'm with you. It's it's a specific recommendation, but for people who like weird, fucked up mainstream failures, absolutely, I'd recommend this to them. Interestingly, uh, this movie came out ten years after Silence of the Lambs, Mm -hmm. 2001. The very next year, Red Dragon comes out. No. It's a year turnaround between Hannibal prequel. and Red Dragon, which yeah, is the Silence of the, the Lambs prequel. The notion that they kind of... I love the idea that they shot it like the Matrix sequence. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. waited for 10 years, yeah. and now... You're getting oh, two of them, one. back to back, summer, oh. summer to summer. You're getting another one. So we're, we're uh, going to be talking about Red Dragon next week, mm-hmm. um, which I'm... I'm actually kind of looking forward to that more than I was this. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's also dog shit from memory. I don't but know. I, I, I never seen I that. Yeah, I actually, for me, uh, the idea that it's closer to, to Silence of the Lambs is actually not appealing. Mm. Like, I'm like, uh, that's where I'm going. Oh, that might start mm. to taint Silence yeah. of the Lambs. It's very it's, similar. It's the same. And it's, it's, it's Manhunter. You know, you've seen Manhunter. You know what the plot is. It's that. Who's the director of Red Dragon? Is it Brett Ratner? Yeah, we love that rat. We love that (laughs) rat. The The idea of Jonathan Dem (laughs) to Ridley Scott to Brett Ratner. Like, has there ever been a faster downward curve? Good Lord. From the creator of Rush Hour. Just the idea of everything Rush Hour. From the producer of Horrible Bosses. Oh God! And then, well, like everything you said about uh, everything you said about the first film, just like it's so, it's it's one of like I would say it's a feminist masterpiece. Mm. That within three films, the rats directing <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I wonder if he'll handle the male gaze. Well. Oh God! Yeah, the rat. The rat. 
He knows how to. He knows the male gaze quite well. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe he can inverse it. But I would say, Zach, you got to check out Manhunter, the Michael Mann original take on Red Dragon. I feel like you, like you said, you're into Miami Vice at the moment. You're in the zone. You will enjoy it. Yeah, oh, great. it's so different worry. that you can't. It won't ruin it for you at all. It's they so barely nah, even yeah, say yeah. the name Hannibal. They don't even say that he's a. I don't think they do say it. Yeah, they yeah they just keep calling him Doctor Lecter, and they even spell it differently, so you can really <laughs> that's true. You can, you can just if you read the script, you won't even know. <laughs> it feels almost like uh like the idea of I feel like I'm sure there's been like independent theater productions of Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Like that's the vibe I'm gonna have. Like oh, they did a really good job. Yeah, you probably yeah. will. It's it's different. It's a different thing. It's good. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today, Zach. You're a fucking legend. Oh, and thank you. you're a gentleman. You. You're, you are a sophisticated <laughs> cannibal, in my opinion. Until, you know, and let me just say, you know, um, and that's the thing. I'm sophisticated, I'm classy, but when I start munching on people I've murdered... Good grief. Good grief. No stopping you. <laughs> and much like no. Hannibal, you love to fuck as well. <laughs> I love a fuck. I love a fuck. (laughs) And I love a munch. (laughs) Guilty. And much like Hannibal, you also have a TV series available on Netflix. That's true. Mm. That is true. That's a very good segue. That's a very, very. And much like Hannibal. No, no. (laughs) Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. Check it out. And much like Hannibal. You've also got a podcast oh, about John Leguizamo, right? Leguizamo Rama. Yes, which is which is like there is so much synergy there. I thought it was important <laughs> to stick to the Netflix show, but um, I saw what you were doing. I saw what you were doing. I thought, yeah. okay, niche film podcast uh-huh, uh-huh. with a new yeah, band, you got it. kind mm-hmm. of funny, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of critical. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe we should try this. So we are the second. We are the second. <laughs> mm. There's two. There's officially we two. Like to- Podcasts yeah. about movies out there. Yeah, we're sort of the uh, the Melbourne branch, the Melbourne yeah. franchise yeah. of the yeah. of the nerdy yeah. film podcast. And yeah, we're watching every single. So you picked a series um, when you say you picked um, Hannibal Lecter. He's done what, like six or so things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the character yeah. actor John Leguizamo has done uh, well over a hundred and fifty things. Okay, oh, um, my and we've committed. It's a three year project. Um, wow. he's done like 10 great things and, and a lot of mediocrity. So yeah, it's a, it's a long journey. <laughs> it's lots of fun. Do you know what? I've Thank never you. seen the pest. I've always wanted to see the pest. We, here's a fun story. We watched the pest. Uh, we got Reese Nicholson, great comic mm. to watch the pest. Uh, we did a podcast about the pest. We uh-huh. banked it. It was going to be great. Um, uh, we said some things about the pest. We were maybe a little critical cause he does, uh, a couple of Chinese characters that don't hold up um, were pretty critical of the film. Wow. And then Leguizamo um, has retweeted and, like, shared out... He likes everything we post on Instagram and has, like, shared it on his stories oh my to God. the point that we're like, oh, John Leguizamo's aware of our podcast. Wow. Can't so we had out. to bury our past podcast. Can't put it out. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
We used to do a podcast about Mike Myers, yeah. and that was the golden thing, was that he's got no social media presence whatsoever. So We could say whatever we wanted about him. We don't know if he ever yeah. found out about it. No, we, yeah. when you know, man, when you know, it's like... And that's the thing, like, if this were a bigger genre, I think it could do quite well, this sort of film. It's like, a lot of what it is is, like, ripping into bad movies. Mm. And as soon as you know the person has watched it, and then you start to go, well, maybe he knows the director. Maybe he executive produced mm. it because he was passionate about this film mm. you just go all right i can't tear into this like mediocre thriller from 1997 so then you start like critically analyzing it and that's dude carlito's way is awesome don't call it that please <laughs> please don't say it's mediocre it's one of my favorite movies we do not... we found that too where and also because like we've you know work in television as well so mm. you know how exhausting it can be to be working on something that you know is a bit shit but you still have to be there every morning at seven o'clock in the morning and you're like trying to rally everyone be like i think we did good work today and stuff yeah so there's only one movie we've like properly properly torn into and we felt confident tearing into it for two reasons because john was in it and also because um it was a Ridley Scott film. This is why I'm going hard on Ridley Scott. It's called The mm. Counselor. Have you heard of The Counselor? Oh, heard of yes, it. Yeah, never yes, seen yes, it. yes. It is not even so bad. It's good. It's not not got the hand. It is the worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> wow. It is just a wow. steaming pile of shit, and it's so particularly frustrating because everyone involved should know better. It's just like this is lazy, oh. lazy, lazy, lazy. Oh. It's amazing. Check it out. Oh, Man, I'm going to watch The Counselor tonight. I've heard some wonderful things about a scene taking place on and around the cars. Yeah, that's kind of all I've heard about it as well. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I've actually seen that scene on dailymotion.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for joining us, Zach. We had a wonderful time hanging out and making you watch Hannibal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you want to hear more from Cameron and I, you can check us out over at patreon.com slash total reboot. And we just have dropped an episode all about paying total respect to one of the great character actors of all time. One of my film heroes, Mr. John Cazal. Yes, we recreated my film that I made when I was 13. Five movies, five masterpieces, the films of John Cazal. I'd also uh, love to plug a little podcast called Finding Desperado, which is out now on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get podcasts. Including Spotify. We can finally say Finding Desperado is available to listen to, to stream, to download from Spotify, the music and podcast listening app. And so is Total Reboot. So you can listen to that on there too. And so is another podcast I work on for Netflix Australia. It's their official podcast called The Big Film Buffet. I also want to give a shout out to a podcast that Cameron and I were guests on in the last couple of weeks. It's a great film podcast. It's about screenwriting. It's about screenplays. It's about scripts. It's called The First 10 Pages. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can click straight on through. Uh, It's a great podcast, literally about screenwriting, where they go through the first 10 pages of beloved scripts for feature films that we all love. And Cameron and I talked about our shared favourite... 
Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. So if you missed hearing us talking about that movie in particular, check out the first 10 pages. Great podcast. And I've put this outro in because the three of us, Zach, Cameron and I, literally spent the final minute of this podcast laughing about how we were not yet on Spotify with Finding Desperado. But now we are, so I had to redo the last minute of the podcast. So have a beautiful day.